welcome to River Ridge Church. If I don't know you, my name is Dylan. I am on staff here full-time as the director of student ministry. Uh, it means I get to hang out with middle school and high school kids a ton, and I absolutely love that aspect of my job. I do other things. I get to play drums. I run the live stream sometimes. Uh, so yeah, i kind of a jack-of-all-trades uh, and definitely a master of none. But I'm excited to be here with you this morning to continue our sermon series on the book of 1 Corinthians. And i got to be totally honest with you, if you look at your bulletin outline today, you might see my name and you might see a scripture, but you're not going to see any notes. That's because when I got the passage that I was supposed to teach on this morning, I was honestly a little bit thrown off by it. By a show of hands, has anybody ever started reading something in your Bible and you're like, I'm confused already? <laughs> Most of us, right? Uh, and i got to be honest, I went to school for a religion degree from Liberty uh, Online, uh, I did a lot of Bible stuff there, and there are still times that I read scriptures, and I'm like, I don't know what this is saying. Uh, but I think that today I've boiled it down in a way that's helpful for all of us. Um, and so here in a second, we're going to talk about the passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 6. So if you have your Bible or your phone, you want to open up to that, now would be a great time to do it. And I'm going to go ahead and pray to get us started for this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to be here with these people uh, and to take a look at your word. And God, your word's challenging to us, but that doesn't, uh, we don't want to shy away from it. So help us to dive in this morning. Help us to draw something out of this passage that we can apply to our lives um, so we can love you and love others better. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so like I said, here at the church, I do a lot of different things. I'm kind of a, a jack of all trades, a master of none. And when I go home, uh, I really, one of the things I've been struggling with lately is the fact that I feel like I don't have any hobbies. By show of hands, how many of you guys would be able to say, I have a definitive hobby and I know what it is? Okay, some of you guys, some of you guys are like, I don't really know. Like, I watch TV and, you know, and that's okay. Uh, but this morning, I wanted to suggest a couple different hobbies and see if maybe some of you guys are into them. So the first one, uh, by show of hands, how many of you all would say that you enjoy watching or playing sports? Okay, that's a hobby. Um, and today we're going to be talking a lot about questions and answers. I know the question you're all asking right now is what is the score of the Vikings game? Last time I checked, it was seven to nothing over the Saints. So go Vikings. Uh, the next hobby that I thought was reading a good book. Does anybody enjoy reading a good book? By a show of hands, yeah. Some of you guys. Some of you guys are like, absolutely not. My mom worked at a library for my entire childhood, and I don't think I ever read a book the entire time I was growing up. But now I love reading a good book. I think that's really fun. Um, another one, and this is definitely not me, <laughs> so I'm not going to raise my hand for this one. But how many of you guys would say you enjoy doing like outdoorsy things like camping or hiking or hunting or fishing? Hey, bless you all. We just uh, screened in our patio because I am very indoorsy uh, and I don't like bugs. And so for you guys that enjoy hiking and camping and all that stuff, good for you. Uh, it is definitely not my thing. I appreciate you guys sharing your hobbies with me. I'm going to share a couple of mine with you uh, to kind of get us into today's sermon. The first thing that I really enjoy doing that I do consider a hobby is taking pictures. And I do a lot of that around the church. You guys will see me a lot of times with a camera or a video camera doing things around here. But I do genuinely just enjoy that hobby. So this past week, I got to go to David's uh, JV soccer game and take some awesome pictures of him playing goalie against G-Dub. Uh, go Cougars. And then I got to go on Tuesday to watch the uh, Majorette and Band Festival, took pictures of Sophie and Ted and the G-Dub Band and the Capital Band and the Hoover Band. And so I enjoy that. That's a good hobby and I can also use it 
uh, in a way to kind of build a bridge with some kids that, you know, hopefully will maybe get them in church at some point. Um, another thing that I really like doing is I like playing drums. I've done that for basically my entire life as long as I can remember. So I think I started playing drums in fifth grade. I'm pretty sure I started playing drums in church in sixth grade. And then I played every single Sunday from, I think, sixth or seventh grade until uh, just recently when I came on staff here at River Ridge and I started doing other things. And so I love playing drums. My final hobby is a little weird. <laughs> so you guys are going to be like, that's not a hobby, but I'm going to hopefully demonstrate to you that it is. Uh, my final hobby is that I really, really enjoy, and this is so nerdy, searching things on the internet. Like, I know some of you guys are like, oh, I just want to turn on the Dolphins game when I get home. I'm like, I just want to go on Google and like do some research about some stuff. And I know that's kind of weird, and it might not be considered a hobby, but for me, yes, other people in the crowd are like, yes, that's my hobby too. Thank you for that solidarity. I appreciate that. Um, but here's the thing. I do think it is a hobby because sometimes we use things like Google or TikTok or YouTube, those different search engines. We use them for things that we need, like sometimes when I'm cooking, I'm like, well, how many teaspoons equals a tablespoon? That's a good use for a search engine, or you just ask Google and she gives it to you. Uh, another one, we're doing home renovation right now, how to properly paint a door, and like what paint should you use so it doesn't get scuffed, right? That's a good question. Uh, but then there are more random searches that prove that this is a hobby. Things like, who is the lead actor in Avatar? Definitely searched that in the past week. Or, how do you make homemade cinnamon rolls? Right? And so we use these search engines to find out things that we actually need to know, but we also use these search engines kind of as if they're just a hobby, to find out things we didn't know uh, and stuff like that. Google Trends would actually indicate that people are using their search engines this way all the time. In 2021, some of Google's top searches were things like how to be eligible for a stimulus check, helpful, be more attractive. Uh, I wrote a blog on how to be more attractive. I have got no views on it. I don't know what's going on. Um, how to be happy alone. How to be a good boyfriend. How to be a flight attendant. Interesting one. How to be a good kisser. And how to be happy with yourself. And I say all that to say this. We go online with a lot of questions searching for a lot of answers. And sometimes those are questions that are actually useful and helpful and we need to be on that service for that purpose. And sometimes we just go on there to mess around. Uh, to demonstrate this point, last Christmas I had in my mind perceived a potential problem that was coming. My wife and I had just uh, adopted, we'll say, or inherited two kittens from my mom and dad. And uh, I had never had like a kitten kitten before. I'd had cats that were like fully grown and they were fine, but I'd never really had a kitten. And it started to come up to my favorite time of year, which we can already go ahead and start celebrating. It's officially Christmas season, baby. October 1st hit. Yes, come on. Uh, Polar Express on repeat every night at my house. That's my hobby. Uh, it's, such a, it's such a good, it's a good movie. And Josh Groban has the voice of an angel. Uh, I said what I said. So anyway, we are getting set up for Christmas. We're putting out all the decorations and the kittens are wreaking havoc on literally everything. And we started to think about it. We like to have a real Christmas tree. But in my mind, there's one thing that really doesn't mesh with a real Christmas tree, and that's real baby kittens, right? And so I was like, I don't know how to deal with this. And so I went online, and naturally I started doing some research, how to keep cats away from trees and plants. They said you can do things like putting like citrus oil around it, uh, aluminum foil around the base, they say helps. But then my friends decided to send me a TikTok, uh, which I don't have TikTok, so I didn't see this, but it was a trending TikTok talking about how to keep your cat away from your Christmas tree. 
And the solution to the problem was, when you come in your house with the Christmas tree, immediately run at the cat charging with the Christmas tree and making crazy noises. Because if you do that, the cat will get scared of the tree, and then it'll stay away from the tree. And immediately, when I saw this video come through my messages, I said, who would possibly be stupid enough to try this solution? Plot twist. I am stupid enough to try this trend. So I come in, you know, it is a Friday evening. I probably have like a nice cup of hot chocolate in one hand, my entire Christmas tree in the other because I am just so strong because I've been looking up online how to be stronger. It's working. Uh, I'm rolling up in there, and then Elizabeth opens the door, and I am like, game on, right? I have two cats, Kramer, named after Seinfeld, and Willow, who is very stupid and scared of everything. And I started chasing Kramer with the tree, and he kind of like, oh, he didn't like it. And then I chased Willow for about 15 seconds with the tree, and I'm making horrible noises, and I'm shaking that thing and like kind of stabbing at her a little bit, which in hindsight was really probably not the thing to do. Uh, Willow ran away from me and the tree, and for the next at least 24 hours, stayed in the back bedroom about 20 yards away from the Christmas tree. And when she would walk out of the room and see the tree was still there, she would dart back into the room. And so then, naturally, I'm like, well, I'm just going to go figure out the solution to this problem by going to Google. And I Googled, you know, uh, like how to fix your cat or how to help your cat be less weird. I don't know what the exact search term was. It was too far back in my search history. The first thing that came up when I searched this was an article. The article was entitled this, Experts Warn Against Christmas Trend to Traumatize Cats on TikTok. And immediately I felt absolutely horrible about this life hack that I had tried that now had turned me into my cat's biggest enemy. With that being said, after about 24 hours, Willow did emerge finally, I think with some uh, coercion and some treats uh, and maybe some little wet food, and she came out of the room and we had a holly jolly Christmas season. So there is a happy ending to the story, but I say that to say this, if you were to go right now on TikTok and search the terms cat with a Christmas tree, that search term pulls up 75 million views. So I was fooled by this trend, but if you go on there, you'll also see there are a lot of other idiots who were fooled by this trend too. And I tell you that story, even though it's kind of silly, to demonstrate a couple things about our culture that I think are really important as we start off with this morning's service. The first one is this, that we are constantly searching for answers. We are constantly searching for answers. If I had to guess, Uh, out of a room of, I don't know how many people are in here, 100, 150, right? I would say that probably 50% of you, if not more, have already searched some type of something or other this morning. Hey, Google, what's the weather going to be? Hey, Google, what's the Viking score, right? Everybody has probably searched something this morning. So first is that we're searching for answers, and the second one is that we will take whatever answers we can get. You see, the thing is, we go to Google, and we go to TikTok, and we go to YouTube for these big life questions, and we ask the internet these big life questions, and then we see a billion answers from a billion people, and we start picking and choosing, and we're like, this one kind of sounds right, this one kind of sounds right. On Friday, I decided to take a look at the Google Trends, specifically on the search terms, what is the purpose of life? 
It's a question that I talk to like middle school and high school kids about all the time, but I feel like it's one of those questions we're trying to kind of constantly answer here in a place like River Ridge. What is the purpose of life? So Google keeps uh, tabs on how many people search these different things. They rank it on a scale. They call it the interest scale of one to 100. One being people are not interested in this at all, like who's the lead actor in Avatar. And 100, everybody's interested in this question. In 2004, when they started keeping tabs on these uh, searches, based on Google searches, this uh, terms, what is the purpose of life, was ranked at a 12 out of 100. A 12, right? Almost no one was going to Google asking the question, what is the purpose of life? In 2021, the interest rating was 65. So since 2004 to 2021, it has went from a 12 to a 65. Something is shifting in our culture where instead of asking these big questions to our friends and our family and our pastor and our small group leader and our church and different things like that, we're just going straight to the thing we know to go to, which is Google. I started thinking about what are questions that people are probably asking online. And I think that here's a couple we might type into that little search bar on Google. What is the purpose in my life? How can I be happy? How do I know that I'm loved? Is life worth living? What should I do with my life? Where do I belong? And what is true? You know, when we have these questions, like I said, some of us do go to those trusted sources of our friends and family and church and stuff like that. And some of us just immediately turn to the internet because especially for middle school and high school and younger, that's all they've known. That is all they've known about how to get those answers. Google is said to process 63,000 searches every single second. That's 5 billion searches per year, or 5 billion per day, sorry, and 2 trillion searches per year. So why does this matter? The book of 1 Corinthians has a theme that we're going to talk about this morning, and the theme is wisdom, or for the sake of our sermon today, answers. Because wisdom is ultimately like a really good answer. If you're going to someone who is wise, you're going to someone who you think has an answer. A definition that I really like for wisdom that I found this week was this. Referring to the quality of having a, a knowledge, skill, and experience in the sense of mastery over a particular subject or trade. In the book of Paul, when Paul, or in the book of 1 Corinthians, sorry, not the book of Paul, but it is one of his books, kind of. Uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about wisdom or mastery over how to live your life. And he's pitching it to these brand new Christians who are just now taking a hold of the whole Jesus thing. And he starts giving them some really, really, really big answers to some really, really big questions. Going back to Matt's last sermon, which was two weeks ago in this topic, he read a, a passage, and I wanted to read it again for us. Uh, this is not in my notes, I don't believe, so you don't need to go there. Um, so it said this, and this is Paul writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul begins by criticizing the wisdom of the wise of his age, right? He kind of goes off on this little diatribe saying, hey, everybody thinks that they're wise, but they're really not. And then he says this about when he first came to Corinth, it says he did not come to them in brilliance of speech or wisdom. Instead, he came to them choosing to know nothing but Jesus and him crucified. You see, Paul was kind of reading his audience in that moment. He came to them, and instead of saying really wise and lofty and big ideas, he came to him and he says, hey, there's this guy named Jesus. He loves you so much he was willing to die for you, and that's all that matters about your life. 
and people accepted it. But after that, something had to change. There had to be a pivot at some point because now Paul is dealing with these young baby Christians who are asking these really big questions in life. And so as we pivot today and as we start in our passage for this morning, Paul kind of changes his tone a little bit. And he says this in verse 6. He says, We do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul continues his thoughts on wisdom by saying, I didn't originally come to you with these big ideas, but now that you are, in the way that he says it, mature in Christ, and all that's saying is, you have accepted Christ into your heart, right? For us that are here at church, that's probably most of us. We are mature in Christ, but now for you, I am coming back to you with wisdom and guidance and answers. So for the remainder of this letter that we call 1 Corinthians, it's intended for those that are mature in Christ. What Paul is going to say for the remainder of this letter is going to be targeted at Christians. And so while this letter wasn't written to us, this letter is certainly helpful for us. The answers that he gives to them are going to be important answers for us too. I was kind of thinking about this, the weight of what Paul is saying in this letter, right? He's kind of calling some people out when he says, uh, we do, however, speak in the wisdom uh, among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. The weight of what Paul is saying here is if this letter lands in the wrong hands of the wrong leader, philosopher, teacher, they will have Paul killed for what he's saying. He's essentially saying the rulers and the leaders and the philosophers and the teachers that you've been listening to are stupid and they're not worth listening to, but instead, listen to me. And that is absolutely the type of thing that back in those days would get you killed, right? They, like, they loved killing Christians. It wouldn't take much. Paul was jailed and shipwrecked and stoned and killed for his faith, right? At the end of the day, this statement is one of those reasons why he faced that kind of life. It's made clear in the first section of today's passage that Paul is talking to us in that there's two types of wisdom. There's a secular wisdom of this age that I think we find on things like Google and TikTok and YouTube. And I'm not calling those things out because I think they're bad. I love them. I think they're super fun, but I think we have to be careful, right? There is a secular wisdom of this age. And then he says there is a secret wisdom that's from God. And I think the challenge for us at times is discerning which of those sources we should be listening to. There are things like who is the actor in Avatar that the Bible doesn't answer. But there are a lot of things that we go to Google or TikTok or YouTube or any other source for that the Bible speaks a lot into, and we've just ignored it for a long, long time. So when it comes to this wisdom that we're interacting with, we need to figure out what the source is. And so that's my first big point for today as we're looking for better answers. The first point is this, to cite the source. To cite the source. You see, Paul in this letter is making a really bold claim that there are people who speak with a secular wisdom, but really they're foolish. And, you know, I think that that kind of shows up, and I mention this a lot in my sermons when I preach, but, you know, one of my big things is I just think we have put way too much stock in politics, 
there are so many people who line up behind a political leader and say, hey, that guy's got it figured out or that girl's got it figured out. And what Paul is here to tell us, like literally in this passage, is we don't speak with a wisdom uh, like they do, like the rulers of this age. We're coming to you with a different kind of answer. I think a lot of us are tired of politics and the way the world is because we thought that the rulers and the leaders had it figured out and they have no clue what they're doing. And Paul kind of calls that out here. Uh, He says they may claim to be wise, but they just don't get it. And of course, if Paul was a narcissist, we would expect him to be saying this type of thing, right? Of course, he would write to the church at Corinth and he'd say, hey, no one else knows what they're talking about. Just listen to me. Like that would be like narcissism 101. But the thing about it is, in Paul's writings, he's constantly going back and saying, I can't boast in this wisdom because it's not mine. It's from the Holy Spirit. See, in school, when I was writing papers, you have to cite your source. Why do you do that? One is so that the teacher knows you're not copying someone else. And two, it's so that the teacher knows that that source is reliable. I remember in high school, Wikipedia was huge. And my teachers would always tell me, Wikipedia is not a reliable source. So when you cite that source and you say, here's where I'm getting this quote or this idea from, the teacher can look back and say, no, that's not a reliable source. And so for us, why do we cite the source of the answers or the wisdom that we're taking in and acting on? Because a lot of times those sources are faulty and failing us. Um, Once we understand that there are these sources of wisdom that aren't worth trusting, the next thing we need to do is we need to filter the noise. Filter the noise. Uh, it's 10.38. I feel like I have time. We're going to play a game because I'm a student ministry guy. So here we go. We're going to play a quick game of Simon Says. So everybody, we're starting now. Everybody go ahead and stand up. Out, 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 out. I said we're starting, and I said stand up, and I didn't tell you. I didn't say Simon Says. Just that quick. Wow. Okay, here we go. Simon Says, raise your right arm. Simon Says, raise your left arm. Put your right arm down. Put your left arm down. Stand up. Simon says, stand up. Simon says, sit down. Simon says, stand up. Simon says, sit down. Stand up. Sit down. Stand up. Simon says, stand up. Simon says, stand up. Simon says, stand up. Simon says, okay, you can stop that. That was overwhelming, right? That was horrible. That is the world that we're living in right now follow me. I know. You're like, that is crazy. What just happened? I felt like I was back at the town center when there was actually a town center. Uh, guys, sorry. I had, to, I had to make that joke. I went in there the other day and I cried just a little. Uh, guys, I think one of the reasons that we struggle so much with getting the right answers to the big questions in life is because there's so much noise in this world. There's like talk radio and there's TV and there's news stations, there's podcasts and there's music and there's books and there's the internet and there's Twitter and there's Facebook. There's so much stuff that we are constantly having thrown on us that it is impossible for us to get to those true and important answers unless we filter out the noise. In the same way that when we were playing Simon Says and there was quiet, you were able to do what I was saying. But as that noise started getting louder and louder and you couldn't hear me, it became impossible to make the right decisions and do the right things. You see, the noise of our current age is making us uh, really impossible for us to rely on God's wisdom and God's answer and God's way of life and his expertise 
over how we should live our life. You see, if anybody, well, like we talked about, wisdom is the mastery of a subject. If anybody is a master of the subject of life, it has to be God from whom all life originates. And every question that we have pertains to something that he created, that he made, that he set in motion. And so with the noise of this world, it's impossible for us to get good answers. So we have to filter that noise. Paul continues, he says this, As it's written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived. He puts everybody on an equal playing field. He says there's some things in life that we just don't understand. He goes on, though, God has prepared these things for those who love him. And now God has revealed these things to us by his Spirit. You see, there's things in life that we just don't know. There's answers in life that we're looking for that we just don't have. And here Paul, like I said, puts us all on equal playing field. He says, hey, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human heart conceives this, except that God has now revealed these things to us by the Holy Spirit. He continues, since the uh, Spirit, this is actually a really awesome passage right here. This one got me so jazzed when I read it. Since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And now we have not received the spirit of this world, but we've received the spirit that comes from God so that we may understand what's been freely given to us. You see, what Paul is saying in this passage is that with the Holy Spirit, we can have some of those answers. We can know the ways of God. And I know a lot of times we're like, well, I don't want to be like too spiritual or I don't want to be too lofty or act like I have it all figured out. And I'm not saying you have it all figured out, but I'm saying the spirit that indwells you when you start to follow Jesus has it all figured out. And so we go all these different places looking for answers when the entire time the Holy Spirit is there. And if we would just dial down that noise, filter out those bad sources and start really listening to what the Holy Spirit has for us, I think we would get some of those uh, answers. Paul contrasts the wisdom of the world again with the wisdom of God, and he goes on to make another massive claim. But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes, sorry, does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it's foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it's, uh, it is evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. You see, Paul says to the Christian that the secular world doesn't get it. And so that means that when we go to places like Google and we listen to these teachers or leaders or whatever that don't have God's Spirit, they just don't understand what they're saying. And sometimes they give answers that are pretty close or pretty right on, but Paul here says, hey, they don't understand. But we do, because we have the Holy Spirit. It blows me away that just because we say yes to Jesus, that kind of wisdom lives in us. And it's right there for us to tap into. Paul finishes off this passage by saying this, and I love it. He says, For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? And then it says, But we have the mind of Christ. Paul says, Who knows what's going on in God's mind? Who knows this wisdom? Who knows these answers? It's almost like he's asking a rhetorical question. The answer is like, well, no one. 
because no one is God, right? But then he clarifies and he says, but we, the Christians, have this insider knowledge because we have the mind and the spirit of Christ. See, the thing about it is we can't boast in our own wisdom because without the Holy Spirit, we're just as dumb as everybody else. But with the Holy Spirit, we're insiders to the ways of God. We've been brought into this family. We've been brought into this wisdom. And when we have that, it can change everything. And so my final point for how to get good answers in life is this. We need to listen to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And I know that's kind of a nebulous, maybe like, I don't know how to do that. And hopefully here at Riverridge, we give you some practical ways to dive into that, right? By reading your Bible, by sitting in prayer, by having silence and solitude, things like that. Um, but we need to listen to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. I love that, uh, and I'm not sure that Matt's going to preach on this next week or not, but in 1 Corinthians 3, the next thing that Paul says is he says this. Uh, he says, I spoke to you as babies in Christ because you're still worldly. You see, the thing is, I think that a lot of times we're like, well, I don't have the answers. I don't understand God's ways. I don't hear the Holy Spirit. And I think that some of that is just a lack of trying and a lack of thinking that we can tap into that thing. It's been promised to us in Scripture. The Holy Spirit and his wisdom has been promised to us in Scripture. So what is holding us back from that? You see, when the Holy Spirit enters us, we're given access to this knowledge, to the secret wisdom, but only if we continue to hone our ability to listen to the Holy Spirit. Only if we continue to keep opening our Bible and spending time in prayer and putting those things that we learn in practice. This is a big uh, point, and I didn't put it on the screen, but I want you to write it down because I think it's really, really important, and it's been great for me. Information is not formation. Information is not formation. I've went online over the past month and searched a ton of home improvement things. At the end of the day, like I probably still shouldn't try to screen in my own patio. I need to call somebody else for that. I can have all the information in the world, but that doesn't mean that I've been formed and know how to do that thing. And the Christian life is exactly like that. You can read your Bible every single day and bring in so much information, but until you let it change you from the inside out, information is not formation, and wisdom is void if we're not willing to let it richly dwell in us. So as you're looking for answers to life's hardest questions, cite the source, filter out the noise, and listen to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. You have the capacity to understand such deep things because you have the Holy Spirit in you. And when you do that, you will love God better, and you will love others better. And that's what we're called to do. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thanks for today. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about your word. Thanks for the opportunity to learn about this wisdom that you've given to us. Um, help us to not sell ourselves short. You've given us the Holy Spirit. You've given us your guidance. Help us to dive into that. Help us remember that information is not formation, and we want to be changed. We want to live as changed people because of you. Help us to leave here and love you better this week and love others better this week than we ever have before. In Jesus' name, amen.